0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to Brutal Nation, boys and girls. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the underdog, Underwood. So we're going to jump right into it. Today, we've got uh, another call-in from Keith Hunter Jesperson. Let's just jump right into the calls. Here we go. All righty. So we're going to continue where we uh, left off a little bit, then we'll circle back right because Tammy actually found a lot of good questions to ask you. So if you want to fire off the... uh, uh, the first one, damn.
1: Right. Well, as I was, well, I was talking off the air. Is this? It was an episode called the De- the devil, the devil I know, or something to that effect.
0: And this was with his daughter, right? Right.
1: It was his daughter and his ex wife, and it aired on June thirtieth of two thousand nineteen. And the series can actually be found on Amazon Prime, so people who want to look at it. Um, but I want to get into something before you started committing your crimes. Okay. Okay. So this one, okay, this, let's say here. Okay. Let's, let's go to the incident first that was brought to my attention is she talks about how you were known to harm animals. And she talks specifically about one time when she and her brother and sister, uh, we're playing with a cat that she says was not feral, was very friendly and everything, and you came over, grabbed the cat, and just choked it to death in front of all three children. Okay? So
2: why would I do that?
1: Well, see, and that's what... I, well, and this is what got me, is that after this happened, she says she went and told her mother what happened and everything, and that... And then Rose talks about how Melissa was traumatized by this, and she apologized to Melissa for your actions. And I found this to be very odd, considering how, why didn't it traumatize the other two children? <laughs>
2: you understand what I mean? Probably well, my, my daughter always, Melissa always tells stories. Right. When she's, when she's the only one there, or she's the only one old enough to remember such things. Okay. Uh, it's always about so she doesn't have a witness. She doesn't have a witness to anything. As a matter of fact, I would not strangle a cat. I would not have hung her kittens on a line because there were none.
3: Well, we and didn't that's, have any pets.
2: We had well, no and, pets.
1: Well, and that's my whole thing is what is the age difference between Melissa and her two siblings?
2: Well, Melissa. Okay, Melissa was born in seventy nine, July of seventy nine. Okay. Jason, Jason was born in September of of 1980 and Carrie was born in, in March of 1983 okay so, so my, they're all similar Jason's 14 months
1: Jason is 14 months younger okay so almost Irish then, twins <laughs> but yeah, so then you would have been old enough to remember too
2: well you yeah, know this is the, the thing is where where is she putting the story this is a this is a, the whole thing In what year was she telling the story?
1: Um, Well, she told the story in 2019, but apparently from what I understood, and like I said, I can be wrong. I I will admit that. My understanding was it happened sometime between the age of 7 or 8 and before she turned 10.
2: And before she turned 10.
1: Right. So even if if she was seven, he was six. So he would have still, I mean, that's cognizant memories there.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, going back in time here, uh, where I lived were in Seattle, Washington, where um, in 1984, I moved in there with a double-wide mobile home. And we stayed there until uh, 1986 to when the bank took the house back. And then we moved over to a small another house over in Sela And then mm-hmm. from there, we moved in uh, May or June of 87, we moved to Toppenish, Washington. Okay, it happened and while she, you
1: guys were living in Toppenish.
2: Well, then she would have been around eight years old. Okay. Not, not quite, but she yeah. would have been around eight years old.
1: Now, did you live and kind of, of like on a farm?
2: Well, it was a it was a it was a ranch style house. Okay. It was an old it was old like 1920s home, and uh, we had a lot of neighbors around the place. Oh. It was on a, I, had a, I had two and a half acres of land. Um okay. It wasn't you know we had people right across the street and and the kids played with other kids there and.
1: Oh. Well, that yeah. was going to be one of my next questions <laughs> because. Yeah, yeah. Um. She went on to also say uh, that she didn't really have any friends until after you and your wife separated. That there were, oh, no. That no, there was no. many people, many kids around the area where you guys lived in Toppenish and everything, oh, and she didn't know how to make right friends street, other than school.
3: And they
2: played all the time. There were kids across the street, and they played all the time.
1: Oh, okay. Well, then... Yeah. So... Let me ask you this question. Um, According to Rose in this episode, you came home on your 13th wedding anniversary and looked at her and said, rather than giving her presents and flowers, you said, I want a divorce. Then you left the house on one of your halls, came back later that week and told her she and the kids had to be out by that weekend.
2: No, I didn't tell him that. I told her I was tired of we. I told her right after Melissa had her birthday, her okay. ninth birthday. Okay. And that was um, and, and my my wife had already started. Uh, uh, what I what I found out later is that she hadn't been paying the rent. Okay. She'd been saving the money up so she could leave.
1: Oh, okay.
2: She had she had saved up the money. She would opened up another bank account that I didn't know about. Oh. and she had put in her she had started stockpiling money
3: okay and uh
2: the rent hadn't been paid for three months and uh, uh i had uh i'd come home with uh, see melissa wanted a boombox radio and i was on a truck run and of course i was on limited money what i could i i made extra money on another job
3: okay. and on the
2: way home on my bicycle I rode back there, and I had bought a boombox radio for my daughter, and I came home, and the house was empty. They, they were out shopping or something. So I put the radio in Melissa's bedroom, and I turned the radio on and to the radio station she wanted, and I turned the power off so it would be a surprise. Okay. And then, of course, my, uh, my wife came home with the kids, and we opened up presents for Melissa. Well, the radio that my wife had bought, Melissa was a transistor radio worth about 10 bucks, maybe. And I was so mad. I was so disappointed because she had made a point of making she wanted this boom box with a cassette player and all this stuff here. And my wife has a tendency to be cheap, Okay. really cheap. Um, I remember getting a, I wanted a Cobra 29 LDD radio, CB radio for my truck my pickup truck that I had, and, and what did she do? She bought me a Cobra 19, which is the cheapest model she could get. Okay. And so every time I, I, I had to deal with this, it was always the cheapest she could always get. So I was so mad at my daughter's ninth nice birthday. I grabbed the radio and I just destroyed it right in front of my daughter. I said, this is this is crazy, this is crap. I'll show you a radio and walk into the bedroom, turn on the power, and here it's this right, all of a sudden there's music everywhere. Now the biggest problem my wife had was where did I get the money to buy the radio? That was oh. her whole issue: is where did I get that money to buy the radio? Because she'd been saving to leave me.
3: Oh, okay. And I didn't
2: know this. And of course, after that, after the birthday party and and the kids were all settled in, I told her in, in the bedroom, I said, "I'm tired the way this is. I'm, this has to change." This is what I said. Uh, this okay. has to change. Okay. And then I went on another truck run. And when I came home, of course, the kids were gone and so was she. Uh. She would emptied the bank account. She would emptied the bank account. She loaded the car. She took off for Spokane, Washington. She went to her mother's house, went into the basement of her mother's house and set up shop.
3: Okay.
2: I got a let- when I came home, There's a letter in the mailbox it says all I want is basically everything. Oh. She wanted everything, and she wanted me to move everything there. And, of course, then when I went to the bank to get money so I could pack up the stuff and haul it over to Spokane, there was no money in the bank account. Uh... She, had, she, had, she had sat on the bank waiting for me to get home on... She was in Spokane, and she went to the bank, and as soon as the money hit her the bank account, our joint bank account that I had deposited from our truck run, she pulled it out.
1: Oh, well, there
2: she you go. it was gone. So I had no money... To buy gas, right, or, or rental, bring anything up there to to them in Spokane.
3: Wow,
1: side so note, so it so was an
2: uphill battle for me. <laughs> I
0: was going to say I said, <laughs> that sounds very familiar.
1: Sorry, sorry, Keith, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's just <laughs> I had a thought and I had to get it out. I think that's
3: that's one of the reasons why yeah, Keith I mean, and it, I get along crazy. so well.
1: Yeah, well, see, and of course, the
2: only reason she she wanted to come back in my life.
3: Okay. Only when she
2: ran out of money she found she thought now this is what she thought in the divorce decree
3: mm-hmm. she
2: thought that i would keep about four hundred dollars a month and she'd get the rest
1: oh well there you go
2: that's what she thought she thought now when when the when the judge handed down that i was going to pay 250 dollars per child for child support a, a month she okay. was completely upset because home was, oh, i can't live off of that she said Oh, wow. That's not, this
3: see, is not
1: my,
2: my problem. This is You left
1: me. <laughs> well, see, I was going to say, with my divorce, my ex-husband only had to pay 200 and some a month. And I was like, that's not going to feed our kid.
0: <laughs> Her son is well, ginormous.
1: No. Yeah, my son is. I was is, paying $750. I was paying 750 a month. Okay, yeah, because you and had three course, kids. Yeah.
2: I, I had initially, when I initially started paying the, the child support, Yeah. I made the mistake of paying it directly to my wife.
1: Oh, yeah. There you go so there was no and when record. i
2: paid it there was no record so i but i had to cancel check okay right i had opened up a different account by then and i, right. I, I and i was putting money in my own she went as far as going to the company that i worked for and still claiming that she was married to me to take my my paycheck when i before i got there to, oh. to pick it up
1: wow Okay, because she said, I mean, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to tell you what was said on this episode is that after you came home and everything, she was like, she didn't know what to do. So she, she she says that she went and jumped in an irrigation ditch and asked God to take her life. And then when he didn't, she crawled out of the ditch and she didn't know where she and the kids were going to go. And they ended up at her parents' house. And Melissa had no idea what was going on until she said you and your dad and I are no longer together. And then Melissa kept saying she wanted you to come back and she thought you were going to come rescue them and come back to them. But you just pulled up with all their stuff and said, here you go. So. Uh-huh.
2: No. no. So I, the, the thing is, I got I, in the letter that I got from her in the mailbox that following week was Jason really misses his bicycle. Okay. And the kids want this. You know, they they want everything, and uh, it was a, a list of everything. And basically, what she got was everything except my bicycle and my golf clubs and my bowling ball.
3: Oh well, there you so go.
2: I was gonna. She wanted to pack everything up and send it there, and, and surprisingly, okay, this this is kind of a, a interesting. Is the guy that helped me move all the stuff to Spokane. Was Royce Canoyer, and who is Royce Canoyer? Well, Royce Canoyer is my best friend from high school. Okay. And Royce Canoyer is Melissa's godparent.
1: Okay. Oh, her godfather.
2: And then, and Royce Canoyer is also now the father-in-law because Stevie Canoyer is her current husband.
1: Oh, husband. Gotcha. It, okay. That's an interesting twist of events, huh? Yeah, it's a real <laughs> twist here. That's so, one of the
0: things I didn't tell you because I was waiting for him to tell you because I thought that was really
1: yeah. That's a, like an interesting, interesting well. twist of events there
0: because yeah, uh, 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 Keith and I talked about that when I visited him um, oh, a few okay. months ago. So I've, I've been kind of waiting for that one,
1: <laughs> waiting for the bombshell, right? Okay. No, oh, my... the bombshell. <laughs> you
2: know, they're, they're the godparents, and of course now they're the father and mother-in-law.
3: Okay, they're
2: great people. Royce right. and Elizabeth are great people now. Royce had married her in, in Germany when he was in the Army. He was over there in Germany, and he married her. Now, every other year, they go to Germany for Christmas. Oh, okay. So, they're great people. I mean, I, I I know Royce when he was... I bought a bicycle from him when I was in middle school in Sela Washington. Oh, okay. And he moved... His family, they moved back and forth between there and even into Canada and back down again. So, I was... You know, I was very good friends with him.
3: All right. And we
2: went up there chopping wood and stuff like this. So in in, in 1984, when we lived in Sila, they lived in Sila too. Oh. Okay. They lived in. A, they had a mobile home over there and over by Promona. Uh, uh, Promona Bar. There's a bar and grill or something over there, big old Tavern. And then there's a, a gun shop, a, a gun club, and then of course there's a big old. Uh, it's over by the Yakima Fire and Center which is an army where they go out there and shoot guns and all kinds of crap. Okay.
3: But uh,
2: they lived over there, and I helped them buy, you know, I'd go up there and we'd go chop wood and bring over for their fireplace.
3: Okay. So we,
2: we shared a lot. Now, Steve, now, Royce was a runner. He, was, he, would, he would run cross-country in high school. And later, I was a runner, and I would run. And, of course, we went on to, he went on a father-son 5K back in I think it was like 85 86 something like that oh,
3: wow. and I ran
2: with them in a, in a race in Cecil Washington that's where we live in so my daughter once said that her kitten stories originated in 1984 she claimed that in 1984 she lived in Toppener. and that she went back she 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 yeah.
1: like altered history there
2: <laughs> she went she told the story that her kitten story and the cat story originally was dated back to 1984 okay and I think only I think only after the uh the Oprah show in 2009 when my wife my ex-wife was on the show and she asked what kitten? what are you talking about because in 1984 we weren't living in Toppenish we were living in Sheila Washington in a mobile home park
1: Right, and then the story and, changed and to- she
2: changed it. So she so okay. changed it to when we were in Toppenish.
3: Okay. Now, there's, now- uh
2: she keeps, you know, the stories keep changing according to the facts that she's trying to find out later and later and later.
1: Okay, gotcha.
2: So don't, you know, in other words, don't confuse me with the facts. Now we'll we'll discuss this later. Right? No, I get.
1: T- no, I understand that whole thing too because I'm a stickler for facts. Um, okay. Now my next question here is that prior to you and your wife separating, Melissa says that she was between again while well, you guys were living in Toppenish, before she turned ten years old that she okay. was. Thinking that, I mean, she goes, I couldn't wrap my mind around it or anything, but something seemed off, you know, with my dad. He started taking me to pool halls and truck stops, and you became very inappropriate with other people, like women there, and she didn't know how to, like, process that. Now, I was confused because, I could see you taking her to truck stops, don't get me wrong, because you were a truck driver. But from everything I've found on you and your past, taking your, like, under-10-year-old daughter to a pool hall didn't seem like a likely scenario to me.
2: Uh, where would I take her to a pool hall?
1: Yeah, well, that's just Perhaps it.
2: I played, okay, so I played, uh, I had my a good friend of mine and I were managed doubled in the pool league. Okay. And we played and we took second place, I think, it was in 86. We took second place in the All-Valley Pool League for men's doubles. I'm a very good pool player. But all all, all that is in the bar. I mean, we don't...
1: Right, and no you wouldn't take a bar. minor into a bar. No, I, I wouldn't mean,
2: take my kids to the bar.
1: I was going to say, we were taken to a bar and left in the car because there was no babysitter. But, um, no, no, yeah, no, so, we don't.
2: I don't take I don't take my kids to the bar. Right. Uh, if I did anything, I would take my kids to a friend of mine, which is uh, uh, Ray Kidrick.
3: Okay. Ray Tidrick
2: is the father of my a friend named Brad Kidrick. Brad Kidrick owns a, a automobile uh, transmission shop in Yakima. He was the first guy I shared an apartment with out of high school. Oh wow! And then and then of course Ray Kidrick has a boat. Now, this is kind of interesting. My son Jason and I, in 1987, before we moved to Toppenish, we went with Ray to the Columbia River below the Preach Rapids Dam and we were catching, we went there to catch jack salmon or chinooks, whatever was running on the spring chinook run. Mm
3: -hmm. And we
2: went there and we were bouncing eggs along the, and my son Jason caught two salmon and they were both. Chinooks. They were bigger than Jack's. And of course, Ray, he calls, you know, Mr. Terry didn't call him Mr. Terry, he called him Ray. Right. And on the way back, this is funny in a way because Ray is driving his uh, Winnebago motorhome. It's a small mm-hmm. motorhome, pulling this boat. This is like a 19 foot boat, big old motor on the back. And we're, we're coming back from fishing. We all limited it out. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Now,
2: my son goes up to Ray while he's driving and he says, Ray, he says, yes, Jason, he says, I caught the mama and papa fish. You caught the baby fish, right? (laughs) Now, Ray started laughing. He thought that I put my son up to this, right? He accused me. He said, you put your son up to this. And I said, no, that's all on his own. (laughs) That sounds like something a kid would say. And that was a kid. Now, that was like in the spring Chinook run. In 1987,
3: okay. and we we're still
2: living in Seattle, Washington. Right. So my son knows that you know we took we went fishing and all this. It wasn't you know it's not you know this is something that Melissa would know. Right. But you never hear that story in Melissa. Melissa didn't bring that story up. Right. About about me taking him fishing. About me. Now that she did bring up the fact that we did hunt for golf balls around the Elks golf course. Okay and then we'd clean all the golf balls up and I'd put them in egg cartons and then we'd go down to this one place with a tee off just down the down the road from our house and I'd set the kids there and they'd all be they look cute as hell trying to sell these to the golfers coming in. Oh how. Cute. These washed golf balls so they could, you know, a dollar right. a piece in egg cartons and just and and once they sold them all and they did, because they were so good at selling. They looked so cute selling them, and the golfers, you know, they they just love to do that. They, Bro, they I was going to
1: say, you can't turn a little kid down. That's why those no, stupid Girl Scouts no, is, get me every year. <laughs> I
2: sat back, and I just sat back, and we just watched them just bring in the money, right? Right. And then after it was all done, I said to them, what do you want to do? You know? Yeah, okay. let's go to Dairy Queen. Let's go to Dairy Queen. Okay. So i take them to Dairy Queen, and we'd all have, like, banana splits or chocolate sundaes or whatever, and they'd all have their, you know, that's, that's, I was accused of being the uh, Disneyland dad. My, my wife didn't like the idea that I was, every time I came to town or something like that, that the kids got to do something special.
3: Oh, well.
1: You know.
2: Which didn't mean which didn't mean killing kittens
1: and cats, right? Yeah, exa- <laughs> I was going to say that that was well. See, and I brought this up to Scott because um, our listeners know that I come from an abusive background, and when I was maybe seven, eight years old, I have a very vivid memory of my stepdad. Taking my little puppy when we lived on a farm in Gales Creek and hanging it from a tree and beating it to death in front of me. Wow. Right. And my sister was there as well. And my sister and I have the exact same vivid memory. So if it was something like that and it was a cat that they were all playing with, I would understand. I mean, and if it really happened, you would hear it from all of the children. You know what I mean? Yeah, you would.
2: You're it, not gonna hear from one and not the other.
1: Exactly. There would be cooperation there. Um yeah, my, I, the
2: only cat and, and this is this this is down in history here. Right. The only cat I killed and I did strangle a cat, but I didn't do it in front of my kids.
1: Right. My it kids was a weren't feral cat yet. though, right?
2: My, no, my kids weren't even born yet when I killed a cat.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I
2: was I was in it was I was twenty one years old working for my father in the mobile home park. And I was in underneath the sink doing some plumbing, and this cat hooked on to me. And, this, and I was we were evicting these, this lady. Her name was Sandy. And, at, and the irony of the fact was that Sandy was dating my friend Jerry Day. And, of <laughs> course, she was being evicted because she had cats in the house and she wasn't supposed to have cats in the house. Right. And so in the eviction notice, she asked me to come over because the plumbing was leaking the night before, but I wouldn't go over there by myself. I wanted to go over with a witness. So I came over with my father the, the next morning and another guy named Ian Hoosen, and they watched while I was underneath their fixing room. Well, there was a pair of pliers underneath the sink where they looked like that's what they'd done. They'd, they'd loosened the fitting. Oh, okay. And so I had that, so that I used their own tool that was sitting there to tighten the fitting so it wouldn't leak anymore. While I was in there, this damn cat was back there snarling at me and clamped onto my hand. And I got mad and I threw the cat down and I strangled it and killed it. And of course, I threw it in the trash. And my father, making as an idiot he was, he said, he started bragging to people, said, "Yeah, if you have a little cat to kill, just give it your keys, you know. And I was like, Dad, come on, right? But that was the rumor that pretty soon... I thought that everybody thought that I killed everything around the country
1: there. Right, right exactly. And... You went out like... And Richard. of course,
2: you know, I had a dog, okay? Mm-hmm. I had a dog when I was a kid and a puppy named Duke. Oh. And it was a brown lab and I was like three you or four years Duke, old when right? I got him. And
1: Duke. Duke with a D? Yeah. Duke. Okay, good. Because D, I heard yeah. something else. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Puke. No, Duke.
1: <laughs> no, actually, I thought so, I heard a derogatory term, but that's okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> drug stories yeah but no duke and i duke laid on my bed and everything and we were buddies and i'd come home from school even when we moved to Seattle, washington i'd come home and the dog's waiting for me right okay so my dog stayed with me until i was uh like 18 19 years old before uh-huh. it died right and i didn't i was you know people said well you killed animals and stuff I started killing animals when I came to the United States in nineteen sixty seven on weekends. The local boys were all given twenty two rifles and twenty in a box of twenty two shells and told to go out there in the sagebrush and kill everything that damn well moved. Okay. And I didn't have a rifle. Oh. I had a bow and arrow. I had a bow and arrow. I went out there hunting with a bow and arrow. Oh wow. Which you know the so, farmer you know,
1: so, so you did ethical hunting. Is what you're saying?
2: <laughs> yes. Okay. I was told we were, we went out and did what, what the farmers wanted us to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, the farmers in in the in the Aqua Valley. Right. They had cherry orchards and stuff like that. They would provide the 22 shorts
1: okay. to kids to go out and kill the robins that were pecking at the cherries. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The nuisance. Yeah. So, guys, we got
0: three minutes. And then they on had, this one.
1: okay.
2: Three minutes. Well, I'll call you back.
1: Okay, Um, now let me ask... We'll
2: we'll do this all.
1: I mean, because you kind of... No, you kind of clarified this point, because in the episode... um, Now, the murder of Tanya Bennett happened in January of
2: 1990, correct?
1: That's right, January 21st, 1990, Saturday night. Okay, because I... from all the docu series I've seen, it was on my birthday, January twenty third. But it was January twenty first. That's because you're bad luck, Daddy. You know January 23rd what January twenty third was a Monday. Okay, yeah. January twenty third, that...
2: nineteen ninety, was a Monday. Oh
1: my gosh, I couldn't even remember that. I know I was born on a Thursday, but there I'm you always know. impressed with your memory. I know, me too. A... It's like, dude, do you I have can't... like a eidetic memory? <laughs> I
0: can't remember really what I did yesterday morning.
1: Scott calls me Squatch because he can't remember my real name. No, <laughs> I know well, your it, name, Fred. A... January twenty third was
2: the Monday. That's when the first newspaper, newspaper okay. clipping came out on the on the murder.
1: Okay. Yeah, because every docu says that she was murdered on the twenty third. Got gotcha you now. That that actually makes sense now. Um, but according to she this, was
2: found, the body was found on the body was found in the on the morning of Sunday the twenty second.
1: Okay, because that's what by I mean, by
2: two by two bicycle riders.
1: Okay. Okay. Now, according to this docu-series, that it was after you had murdered Tanya that you brought all of this stuff to Spokane. And that um, Melissa says that she noticed that you were bothered by seeing how they were living. But you were only... um, And, oh, and that you cared about what was happening to her in her life, and that you were cognizant that the only reason they were living that way was because of things you had done. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me either. That's why I'm like, why if you guys separated in, you know, in 88, basically, in the, she you mar-
2: know... Rose, Rose married a month after right, the divorce
1: was married. final. Oh, okay. She Alrighty. was married
2: to, his, to, to Tom Hucky. A month after
1: she was waiting for the divorce to come through before she married the guy. Okay. Well, they're, I'll call you right back. I was going to say, they're going to cut us All off, right, so yeah, let's, right let's
0: cut this one short. Thanks, Keith. We'll talk to you here in a minute.
1: Okay. Bye. Um, bye-bye. i
0: got to go. All right, remember that you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. This show is copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. Remember, if you're hearing this on anybody else's podcast or show, they are lying, thieving bastards. We'll catch you guys in a few. Bye-bye.